0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Raw and Real with Stephanie Fernandez. I am Stephanie Fernandez, your podcast host. I am a conscious parenting coach, a hypnotherapist and a hypnobirthing teacher. And in today's episode, we are talking about the benefits of preparing for birth in a very mindful way, in a very conscious way. I invited Sharon Lovegrove into the conversation and you've got to listen to this I think this is by far the most wonderful conversation I've had on this podcast so far we talk about the impacts of medicalized birth for the mother what it does to the connection that the mother has with her baby when she only focuses on medical parameters In this episode, we want to normalize anxiety in pregnancy and birth. We want to talk about how important it is to not suppress fear or anxiety. It's learning how to move through it. And for that, we first need to recognize it. Sharon and I talk about birth as a portal for conscious life, for living a conscious life, preparing for birth with For example, hypnobirthing or any other mindful birth preparation class or course is so much more than just birth. It's about how you live your life, how you choose to be a conscious creator for your life and the life of your baby. We even talk about nervous system regulation in pregnancy and in parenting and why it is so important and crucial for our kids. Fears of health professionals do not always serve us. We're also talking about that, the impact it has on the work of doctors and midwives and why it is so important that you become your own advocate. In my hypnobirthing course, I cover the triangle, what I call the triangle of birth preparation. It's to build confidence and empowerment within you It's to release and prevent fear and understanding your body during birth. What happens? And what are the questions that I could ask so that I understand better? So if you wonder how you move through your fears, how you balance your desires and wishes for birth, for parenting, with your life at work, for example, and how to move through the identity shift, then tune into this episode and I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. You can do this either by writing a review, by star rating this episode or by sharing it with others. That helps me to make a greater impact in the lives of women, which is just my biggest passion. And if you would like to get to know about my Hyptomerthing course, future intakes, and if this is even something for you, and your partner then send me an email at rtt at stephaniefernandez.com enjoy this episode hello and welcome to the show
1: today shireen thank you hello 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 thank you for really inviting me it's such a such a pleasure to get to know you to meet you yes
0: yeah, I'm so excited to talk about pregnancy with you today and knowing that you are a trained and experienced midwife mm-hmm. brings a totally new level to uh, this conversation today. Um, I want to talk to you today and I'm sure that so many listeners are interested in you know, your um, development. How did you get into midwifery and mm. are you still working as a midwife? And tell me a little bit about you.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. um, Well, I I trained a long time ago as a midwife. So in South Africa, where I did my official training, you had to be a nurse first and then you go on to do the other trainings. Uh, So everybody kind of went from nursing to midwifery to whatever other speciality. So I went into midwifery. um, And uh, so that was in about in the 1980s. And I, yeah, really enjoyed my midwifery. I loved being there. We were able to go out into the rural com- communities and do work there. Um, and there was a really, I suppose, one of the things that I really realized is we had, we were very unique in the fact that we had a natural birth unit. In the 80s, we had a natural birth unit. And I was allocated to go and work in that natural birth unit. And it was really interesting to kind of notice this different way of looking at pregnancy which of course in you know the fact that most hospitals now it's very medicalized unless they've actually specialized in making sure that there are people that that do do more natural kind of work or more midnight led um this was rare this was very rare and most of the doctors didn't really want to know about it you know they kind of stayed out of this this particular unit, but I loved it. I loved the fact that women were just able to be with their bodies, just able to kind of go in and just be in that space. And also, you know, the room was nice. It, it was pleasant to be in. And I think that was one of my first openings into thinking about what was possible. And then I had a <laughs> I had a patient, or, or a patient or a client at that time, and we were just, I was only about 22, 23 at this point and she talked to me about an orgasmic pregnancy and she was telling me that in her first pregnancy she had had this massive orgasm and it was i this blew my mind you know it really blew my mind that you could have something like this and she kind of said you know every woman should be able to have that potential to have an orgasmic pregnancy and of course it's not unusual because you're moving down those areas huh eh? And so that was always in the back of my mind. And uh, so I moved on in the sense that because I was only there for a year and then I kind of went back to my medical um, work. Um, I then, when I left England, uh, left South Africa, I went to England, and um, I start, I realized that there was this yearning, this yearning to work with pregnant women. Um, and I stopped. I joined up with someone called Dr. Gary Mossa, who started the water births here in the UK. And we started working for the next 20 years as a gentle birth method. So really doing things like hypnotherapy, um, reflexology, working with the mums to give them what would be classified as a good birth. So that they have this kind of controlled birth that allows them to to be empowered, really, to, to be able to make those choices. So that's what I did for a very, very long time. And I still do um, the gentle birth method. Um, But I'm also moving in a sense where I do a lot of work in mental fitness. So I do a lot of work working on the minds of uh, of pregnant women so that we can shift some of those dynamics, which you know, (laughs) having trained for yourself in RTT. So, yeah, that mind part is so crucial um, in shifting and changing the beliefs. Uh, that that carry for pregnant
0: women yeah yeah I find this so fascinating because a lot of the times and still nowadays especially where I'm coming from from Austria being pregnant means you are being monitored by a medical doctor every month and at the end of pregnancy even more often yeah There is no conversation. And I would say there is no space to connect with your baby and to truly feel Mm. how you feel. You're running after one scan after the other. And then I gave birth here in Denmark, where I live. And everything is very midwifery led. Right. There are two scans, two standard scans during the nine months. And when you come from a culture where pregnancy is very medicalized Mm. and birth is very medicalized, you kind of feel lost. You feel like what's happening? I don't have control. Yeah. Nobody's looking at my baby. Is my baby okay? How I cannot. I don't know if my baby is okay because you are just trying to find that external validation without being able to feel and without being able to relax into this sacred time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really love the connection between the mind and the body to empower the woman in that time of
1: their lives. Yes. Yes, absolutely, and it and it is a, such an important part of life, and I, and and I, and I want to get into that neurological aspect a little bit later. Um, but what the the one of the things that you've mentioned there, which is so, so important, is the fact that I think that when it becomes medicalized, we forget how to listen. We forget how to trust our body. We forget to listen. We forget to hear those signals and know how to deal with them in in a very specific way. And part of the conscious pregnancy system is about teaching women how to trust themselves, how to be aware of the kinds of signals they're getting and to stop and to listen to them, to kind of sort them out, you know, to get rid of the wood from the trees and be able to see exactly, yeah, okay, I'm feeling a little bit anxious about this now, but what exactly am I anxious about here? Um, is this because I'm afraid that something's gonna go bad? Is this just because I just don't know? These kinds of things. and then what do you do um, with that knowledge? And I think for me to be a to be to do the conscious pregnancy system is you've got to get this deep inner sense of belief that you are a conscious creator, right? You are creating your life and you are also helping co-create with your baby new circumstances for which you're going to bring this child into the world. So it's really about you being a co-creator of all these circumstances. And that means that you have the ability to be able to make decisions from a a, a much different place, almost like you're in the field, and you can get a sense that something is there. You're not quite sure what it is yet, but you know and trust that it will tell you. And you have these deep connections, which for me is 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 really the key of being a, a conscious creator. Yes,
0: it sounds like there's so much more to it than just pregnancy and birth. Yeah, yeah. it's how you view your life, mm-hmm. how you view mm-hmm. and allow autonomy into your life mm-hmm. by you know yourself yeah. and not depending only on
1: others yeah. and telling them exactly how things should be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I think my train of thought just disappeared there for a second, but I think what is so um, so important is that, you know, a lot a of, lot of the time when we get pregnant, we think we're being consciously, we're making a conscious choice, right? But actually a lot of our choices are made by our unconscious. Mm-hmm. So we might be driven by needs and desires to get pregnant, but that can also be misunderstood in a way that this is a need and a desire just to create, right? So there's something about when we choose to get pregnant, It's there's something about thinking more about what kind of mum do I need to be in order to get pregnant, in order to be a good mum, in order to do this. Many women don't think about those thoughts, right? Especially when you're younger, because actually there's no real reason a lot of the time you get pregnant and and the babies pop out and it's not such a big issue but the thing is if we were to think about being that person of how do we change in order to create this baby um, and have this baby in a way that we would like as a citizen of the world um we we will look at things very very differently yeah, we will mm. we will think about it differently. We'll think about our choices differently, um, and we'll also make you know much better decisions, even if we even if we're scared or frightened.
0: Mm, yeah, you mentioned the conscious per- pregnancy
1: systems. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Right. So it works with using um, uh, the program works on on a twelve week program basically. Mainly because most people will be, will come in maybe about six months rather than, rather than at the three months, which I would love them to be coming in or even prior. Um, so the, it's really based on 12 weeks where we look at a couple of things. One is that your body is not solid, right? So we go into this quantum world of your body is not solid. And if your body is not solid, solid, then it's very malleable. Right, It has the potential. So when we think about relaxing, we can relax and think about our just molecules, just moving and just opening up. Right, Having that kind of belief gives us an ability to be able to truly have an intention that's very, very direct. And it allows us then to be able to shift that space where we become the vessel. We just become the vessel that lets the baby go through, and that then means that it makes birth a lot, lot easier, a lot more simple. But a conscious pregnancy is also realizing that the, the period of pregnancy is the one time when you and your baby are one system. Mm-hmm. Right? What you think affects your baby, no matter what. right? So the calmer and more relaxed that you are in the sense of, Having a sense of control and a sense of, well, maybe not so much control, but a sense of presence. Yeah. A sense of knowing that you're okay, that everything's okay and everything's working for you. Um, that's a very powerful place to to, to, to work from. And I think that, and then so what we're really doing is looking at those beliefs that hold that, um, and recognizing that with uh but with a growing baby, right, you are, you've are you got the best, best, best chance to lay the foundations, the neurological foundations that are going to support them later on. Mm-hmm. I have one client who came to me. She was incredibly anxious, um, and just a recent one, incredibly anxious at, at, at 34 weeks. And I just thought, oh, God, she's going to go into labor. She was a second-time mom, basically had had a cesarean section the first time, and It sounded like it was a horrific first birth. In one of the first sessions, I sort of said, you know, there's no reason. It sounds to me there's no reason you can't have a natural birth. I can't see that not happening. Anyway, she was booked for the caesarean. She did go into spontaneous later at 36 weeks. And I said, no, 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 no. We're going to stop this. And we did some of the mental fitness exercises that um, she's been doing in a program. And we stopped it. We stopped the contractions. And she came out. And before she came out, she told the midwife she's cancel her her her, um, her her cesarean date because she's going to go for a natural birth. I was a little bit shocked, but let me tell you, she didn't. I, you know, we kind of worked with it and saying this is going to be a first-time pregnancy, so it's really about going to be a gentle opening up, and there'll be stages, and we'll talk through each of those. But she. It was really through the whole of the day she labored and I kept checking in how how much comfort did she have, and she said, "Well, I've you know I'm I'm absolutely fine. I'm managing these contractions like a dream." And she was really happy. And then at seven o'clock she said, "Up, oh, they're about five centimeters dilated." Went into labor. I went into the hospital and she was already ready to push. So for her, she had the most glorious birth. Right not you know she had a couple of nicks but that with it no t- no stitching no. <clears throat> but what's really interesting is that sort of like f- uh, 4 months later she's had a real stressful time with her mom dying and her brother dying and, and 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 all sorts of things and she said the one thing that has been a dream is her baby has been so calm so relaxed and so happy and i thought well that's amazing and then I was reading an article just recently, and one of the things that a lot of people think is that, you know, I don't know whether there's a question to ask you, but you know, if we look at you, you know, other than our parent parents, um, our genetics, what we give to our child, what's the other biggest factor that affects children uh, or the growth or success of kids in their life? It's actually their peers. It's their peers. So after after a certain age, after three actually, children are looking out and want to be like other children, right? So their influence, your influence is reducing dramatically, believe it or not. So their job is to kind of move and become citizens of the world, right? And I mean, most mothers might not want to think that. So therefore, we've only got a short period in time to make a massive effect. Mm -hmm. And so if we can really make a massive effect at this point, in their life and lay those neurological foundations that really help them make good decisions, even when their peers are doing things that they don't want, that they can be resilient and anti-fragile. Yeah. Isn't that the gift we want to give them?
0: Yeah, and it's it really starts with pregnancy. And even before, like you said, you would love yeah. for women yeah. to join your program even earlier yeah. than halfway through their pregnancy because there's just so much impact. Every thought we have creates a physical response in our body. And if we are one with our child, they will feel it. They feel the anxious thoughts. They feel the worry. They feel the depression. They also feel the happiness, the calm, the trust. They feel the positive outlook and the hope. So if a child can be born with this Positive bank of emotions. Yeah. Why not give it to them?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why not give them the gift that they can have? Now, I mean, of course, we know that between zero to three, you do a massive amount of work, right? So there is so much, uh, you know, there's, of course, our environment is something that's really important, but this is one time when there's no interruption. There's no interruption from anybody else, no external source that a baby can be affected by except by the mother. And mm-hmm. that's a really powerful place because that's when we, we all know that when you, you've got kids, you know that when you're not feeling so good, kids play up, right? They're just responding to what's going on in the field. And, if you are in that space of being able to make those decisions and 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 basically down regulate quickly you you know you're still going to experience anxiety you, you're still going to experience odd things happening but the quicker you bring your body back into that state of, of 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 alignment the quicker the baby learns how to do that because it's a trigger response isn't it? Someone said something so beautiful to me yesterday, which I just had a, had a good laugh. She said, actually, a trigger. And the words was a trigger to the, to activate is a, is a two way switch, not a fork in the road. So literally, it's just a switch that just goes one way or the other so fast. So if you're able to just, when you, when you have these, if you have the ability to, to recognize that you're a powerful creator and you have the ability to go, wow, You know, I can just bring myself into a space of equilibrium. I don't know yet what's going to happen, but I know that right now I can take care of myself right now. Then that tells the baby in that moment, okay, I can downregulate. So because you remember what they're hearing is the beat of the heart Mm -hmm. and they're having the pulsation. So they're, they're not just hearing it, but they're having the pulsation going through their body. So when you when you look at a baby and you look at them on 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 MRI, on, um, on scans, you actually if you look, you can actually see them sort of do this <laughs> because their whole body is bouncing with with, with, with the heartbeat. So you can imagine how, what the impact it is. So when you're in that place of real ah oh, yes, let's just connect, let's talk to our baby. Yes, we're scared. Yeah, this might not be the best thing, but you know you know we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're okay. By just mm-hmm. talking, because they can hear as well. You know, they can hear stories, believe it or not, maybe muffled, but it's the sound of the voice that vibrates down to them as well. Yeah. So it's recognizing all is, these things, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It reminds me of when I'm tense
1: mm-hmm. and my
0: body is tense and something is bothering me, just the thought of having a difficult conversation with someone that is important to me, for example, yeah. and I'm thinking how i'm going to phrase it how i'm going to maybe how do i even get out of it i don't want to have this and i'm just as a mom you cannot just take your time and leave and you know you you still need to prepare dinner you yeah. you sit with your kids you pick them up and whenever i'm tense my i don't even need to say anything my kids feel that yeah and they come over and they're like you're okay mommy and give me a hug and that just happened recently, and I was not even aware of how tense I was. Yeah. So, if we think of a pregnant woman and she's really tense and the heartbeat is fast, clenching the jaw, yeah. what do you think the body around the uterus, the stomach area is? Like, yeah. is that loose and soft? It's probably not. So, your child feels everything. Mm. You, cannot, you cannot hide yeah.
1: from it, yeah. it's impossible. And, and in this case, you're you thinking about it, you know, you your kids are just in the field, right? They're there, but they're in the field, and they can still pick up these things. So you can imagine if, if the baby is inside you, how much more um, augmented that is, right? So yeah. it's a really powerful way of thinking about things, uh, yes, yes. And, and and to say that what you what you mentioned there, everything gets tense and tight around the uterus and around the whole body. But that then means that if you are unable to tell your muscles, tell your body how to relax, that means it's gonna that's gonna be a bit of a challenge when you go into labor, right? Yeah. Because you really need to know how to direct your body to to be able to tell, to know that it will follow you right? Mm -hmm. Because although nature is, you know, and nature knows how to birth your baby, it definitely does. The problem is this gets in the way, right? This gets in the way. And then, of course, there's other things about the choices of the foods we eat, which Mm -hmm. also may cause us to be a little more swollen and a little more, uh, you know, keeps the baby out of the pelvis and rather than in the pelvis. So if your baby's hanging a little bit low, it's a little bit better. But these are the things that you would look at if you're with a pregnant woman. you go to kind go of look at them and go, mm, I'm, you look a little bit swollen to me. Uh, mm. What I'd like you to do is this. It's just really having an awareness that they can feel those feelings in their body literally. Oh, right, I feel I'm a little bit denser right now. Okay, what can I do? So being able to make these choices, I think, are are really important. But it does require one trust in oneself and and a belief that I can change, a belief of capability and a belief of possibility uh, that Mm -hmm. they can do. Because often when you walk into a doctor's thing, we have been conditioned to believe that the doctor knows best. Yes. Haven't we? And
0: we are not equipped with having the the skills to have exactly an equal conversation yeah. with them because we're so worried that yeah. we might we might upset them. We don't know enough. We don't even know which question to answer. Exactly. Ask and how to ask and how to even voice stuff like, I'm worried, but I'm not really sure what I'm worried about. Yeah. But it I don't feel well. Yeah. Well your baby is well, but you're you're not feeling well. Okay. Well
1: and it's really interesting. Um, I'm reading a little book now called Blink by Malcolm Black Gladwell, and really, he's talking a little bit like the the fast and slow systems in the body, right? And if you think Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow by uh, I can't remember his name right now offhand, but uh, it'll come in a second. And it re- it really is about being able to make real decisions very quickly. These these kind of unconscious decisions that you bring them bring them into awareness. But that you have an idea what they are. So you can listen into that voice. If it's something that's, you know, you feel, oh, something's not quite right, that you can trust yourself to say, no, I'm gonna wait. Or no, what you're saying is not true. It's like a mom will go and say, Hey, my baby's sick, and and, and, and a doctor will say, No, I can't test anything. The reason they can't test anything is because of this rapid system that we have, which will tell us that something is wrong. Because we're seeing so many different things at one moment. And in actual fact, the doctor's not part of the field. not mm-hmm. in the field, so he can't see it. And so mm-hmm. he's relying on thought and logic and also got fears for themselves, yeah? Because they, unfortunately, have been given the responsibility, which isn't totally their responsibility to hack, right? Mm-hmm. They get get into trouble if something goes wrong. So they're fearful. So it's really about, for me, is helping women become an advocate of herself. So part is also advocate to help her, help her husband not be so frightened when they go into hospital, because I've had so many times where a woman has said, please, you know, these are the things I want. Stand up for me. And the husband gets so anxious because He's kind of like in this space that they actually end up having a cesarean or something that's yeah. totally where they wouldn't have needed to really go, and I think that that's something that you really need to work with is how do you get your husband on board, and how do you teach him to be able to ask the questions that will take that you know make sure that there's that anxiety comes down enough to feel to feel safe.
0: Yeah, I, and
1: and you know, as a, as a nurse, as an ex nurse, I know how how is how easy it is to persuade someone when they're fearful, right? I know, yeah. and I hate to think that that happened in my life a long time ago when I was mm. twenty two. I didn't kind of understand this to such a big degree, but what I really understand now is that you can often just wait. Actually, that moment of a pause is often perfect. I mean, I had a client that was going into hospital, and you know, she, I was, I was present at, at her second birth, and um, it was really interesting that they wanted to, you know, when I went in with her, I arrived there, and as I saw they were doing the vaginal, and they actually had ruptured her, her waters before I even knew they were doing it, and that was just not on. But anyway, they did it. What was interesting is they were trying to get the pregnancy to move forward faster, and I mm-hmm. said, no, 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 no. Is the baby all right? Is everything okay? Let's just check. Is there? And the question I asked is, would any damage happen by waiting? You know, and then the question, then the answer was, well, if she goes into labor, needs a caesarean, then there'll be no theaters available. I said, well, that's not an excuse. Mm -hmm. What happens if she goes into labor and everything's fine? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So do you see? So, so there's Mm. often it's another agenda. And it's mm. just really knowing the kind of question to ask.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the decisions, as you mentioned, are fear-based. Yes, nowadays because the the system is just set up in a way that the responsibility is solely on the doctor. Yeah, and of course they want to protect themselves and their profession. Yeah, and then they get blinded by what is really happening yeah. and what are the risks. It's a beautiful question. What if I did nothing? What yeah. if we would just wait? And the fact that you mentioned the birth partner, it it is a part of my hypnobirthing course where I really dive into what is the role
1: yeah.
0: of the birthing partner. You don't have to, you know, if your husband feels overwhelmed and cannot support you, it's better to bring someone yes. else. Maybe you have a mom or maybe you have a sister or yeah. a best friend or whoever you think is more suitable to be your advocate because you will be busy focusing on the surges focusing on the contractions being connected with yourself staying calm as calm as possible and birthing that baby you cannot have those conversations on and on and on and on with you know healthcare professionals that change shift that don't know yeah. you that are trying to intervene with something that is doesn't feel aligned with you so have someone with you that can really support you and your decisions is a, a beautiful takeaway.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. Um, yeah. Is to have someone to advocate for you because yeah, like you said, which is so important is that you are birthing this baby. You don't need to be bothered about anything else. This is the day you're giving grace. You're bringing something into the world. That is the creator reborn, right? As far as yeah. I'm concerned, yeah. And if it's the creator reborn, which we all are into some degree, this is just the next expansion of the creator. Um, then our job is to make sure we give it the best opportunity that we can. And if a mom knows that she's got someone on her side implicitly, um, mm-hmm. that will stand for her, fight for her, like a, well, if it's, if it's a, if it's a mama bear, <laughs> you know, really fight. And stand there for her. Um, yeah, she can just let go. She yeah, have to
0: exactly. Worry anymore. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Trine, what do you see? What are the biggest struggles nowadays for women in pregnancy?
1: I think that one is well. There, there, are a couple, but one of the biggest ones is is um, is our feelings of of you know. I think there's this split. Of competition or the split between needing to be, uh, in the workplace, needing to be perfect, needing to be good. And our, you know, our desire for, for, uh, ourselves to also be in that world where we're, where we're generating, but also the the desire to be at home, to be a a mum. So you've got these two competing needs that really can cause a lot of strife because we have these underlining beliefs. About what's a good mother, <laughs> right? You know, if, if because of maternal investment, um, most mothers will take up most of the of the mother care, right? And even if fathers are at home, often mothers are still doing most of the mother care, and there isn't that same diving of duty unless there's a, a more aware father, right? So that's one of the things, but also the fears that come from, you know, being at work in the workplace, which is not mother friendly, right? (laughs) So you, you're fearful about leaving. You're fearful about telling them. You're fearful about, um, being, being, uh, telling them you're tired, fearful about all of those just in case you get fired. And I've known a few be fired. In fact, this woman that I was telling you that had this really good birth, she was actually fired. Which was really not good at all. Um, so that was, that was, that was, uh, very unhelpful for her. So Mm -hmm. I think there's these things of this, the sense, the need, the drive, the wants to do the stuff that we wanted before. And then there's this, that we don't actually give ourselves enough self care. So we don't take care of ourselves in the way that we can. So I think that's one of the, the, you know, one of the very biggest things. And I think the second biggest thing is this lack of, um, lack of being able to trust oneself to to eat the right kinds of foods, and I, I and I do think there isn't in some places that, there's the belief still to, that that it doesn't matter what you eat, <laughs> but it does matter what you eat because we're living in a world that's not the cleanest world that it was fifty years ago or a hundred years ago, right? So we're been, we ate mainly from the sort from from ground to to, to you know the shops were not multi multi uh, uh, you know big supermarkets and things like that. So we were very closer, much closer to our food source, and so we had a lot more nourishment. And now we have to think about that too, which is an added aspect. So there's a lot more thinking involved on on that. And I also think that you know most families. I don't know about it in Denmark, but most families here are, are nuclear families. Mm-hmm. So they're far away from their parents, siblings. So, so now it's about finding new communities that can that can actually support you in a different way and learning to 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 ask, which is yeah. which is a biggie, a lot of work. Yeah. That's one of the biggest ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly know when I looked at my story with my mother. My mother never asked and she mm. was away on her own and she was incredibly stressed. All sorts of things, which meant that I was born six weeks pregnant. So there were all of these issues that were part and parcel. Yeah. Mm. So those are the, the biggest things are, are, are the fact of that those, the, the fear, um, and mm. the worry and, uh, that matching of needs, the competing needs. Yeah. Those are the biggest ones. Yeah.
0: You've touched on a very interesting point of independence versus interdependence. Yes. And we learn from very young age to be independent. Even now in my work as a parent coach, I see this as such an important value for families. My kids should be independent. I want them to learn how to do things by themselves, not to rely on others. But there is this missing link of we are all interdependent beings yeah. we cannot and we shouldn't it's not healthy to be all by yourself yeah. and then growing up not having the capacity to ask for help because it makes us feel vulnerable weak
1: yeah
0: not good enough we don't deserve that no you know why should i ask for help this person has nothing to do with me or my life it's me it's just on me i decided to move away i decided to get pregnant i decided to be a single mom why should i even ask and bother yeah we're waiting for support yeah so that's a that's a very i think we could have another episode on on that only it's very prevalent
1: <clears throat> yeah it's such it's such a big thing and i love that you said that um because one of the things that that is when 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 we are more relaxed when we are more in our our space and actually that makes us more collaborative right yeah it yeah. takes us to seeking other we our ego isn't so up there. In actual fact, the more relaxed we are, the more loving and giving we are. Mm, because yeah. that's the, that's the way that that, that that particular part of our body system works. We have we have the vagus nerve and we have two systems in the vagus nerve. one is a one is a shutdown and pounce, and the other one is c- coming forward, being collaborative, looking and seeking yes. and wanting and and sharing. So we're trying to keep into that system rather than going into the pounce. But when we've had trauma or when, we've, when we have some stupid belief that we believe we're not good enough and we have to strive to show that we're good enough, then all of a sudden we put so much pressure on ourselves. And these are those stories and beliefs that run, and it's like this river that poisons everything, right? So it poisons every part of our relationships, if, you know relationships at work, relationships with our partner, relationships with our kids, uh, food, with everything that that, that it does. So mm-hmm. yes, it's and 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 so it's really about you know I always think about when you when you're in a relationship with your partner, you each need to be independent, and you need to know that each of you needs something from each other, and it's that needing from each other that binds you. Mm-hmm. That's the bit that binds and creates something different. Yeah. And you can support them in either one of these, but it's that other connection that is what allows us to become more than we've ever been before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that that's, and, and I love, I mean, what's reminding me, I've had a, a, a couple of people with Alzheimer's recently where I've been, you know, talking to some friends and the thing that's the biggest thing that they, That that you start to find is their one thing is they want their independence. Yes. So it's the one thing we learn to separate. It's the last thing we lose. Yes. So it's an incredible. It's an incredible thing to just have an observation. How important, or how much that is so ingrained in us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell us how. um, Or. Before how people can reach you to sign up for your program, who is your program for? Well,
1: <clears throat> my program is for professional pregnant women. But um, that, that in general, uh, anyone that is uh, who is struggling, so someone that's struggling with stress, overwhelm, or being depleted in any way, uh, if anyone who has that kind of idea that they're a little bit of a perfectionist, that's the kind of person. So, you know, um What's really important for those people is if you find it difficult to ask for your needs to be met, if you feel you must work harder than anybody else, or if you're constantly worrying, so anxious, worrying that things are going to happen. Um, If you find yourself, you know, a lot of times people aren't aware that they're even anxious. They only notice when they notice what it is that they're doing, right? So, like, I, you keep delaying on organizing your baby room, all right? So, or you might be... um thinking more about uh you don't talk about your pregnancy in the early, early stages. There's just lots of different things you don't go for your appointments. A lot of different things that you might go, why am I doing this? What's going on? This is the kind of thing that's going to be a really important um, thing to pay attention to. And that's kind of going to t- give you some indication that this pregnancy is not necessarily going to be in the way that you would like it to be. There's a bigger potential that you are very, very stressed.
0: Yeah. And how can people reach you?
1: So they can reach me on my, uh, on sharonlubgrub.com, which is my website. They can reach me. I have, uh, I can give you some links for Facebook. So I'm the conscious pregnancy uh, co- uh, coach on my, on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn. So, in mm-hmm. fact, you can find me anyway. Just type my name. <laughs> You go and you'll find me. I'm
0: probably the only <laughs> Sherry background. <laughs> it's very important to have this low threshold of being reachable and, yes. and so people can find you. So i love that you focus on that and you're on many different platforms, depending on what feels right for someone. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much for this wonderful conversation and the work you do. It's so inspiring and. I wish you all the best for your programs. I put all your links in the show notes of this episode so people can easily just click and find you and and book a time with you to see if they are matched with you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Right.
0: Thank you. You too.